I've just about had enough of you. For what use is such a plan? A man made out of tears! Overwhelming, am I not? Well, of course I exist. I am at your disposal with 187 other languages along with their various dialects and sub-tongues. Dialects and sub-tongues. Hello and welcome to episode one of 50 Years of Shit Robots. I'm Matt Brown. And I'm Stephen Murray. Um, and just to, you know, explain a little bit about who we are. I mean, I'm I'm just a fabulous writer uh, and creator of things uh, and broadcaster. Um, <laughs> Stephen, what, what do you do? Well, I'm obviously not as fabulous, but uh, I'm a senior lecturer at a university and I deliver modules and lectures on uh, film, TV, animation and games. And the reason that we're doing this together, this podcast together, is because we've known each other for quite a long time. I was thinking today that I think I think next year will be the 25th anniversary of of our friendship, which which was born at a a party when we we bonded because we both hated the film titanic yes that's very true so the title of the podcast is 50 years of shit robots and this has come about because of some lectures that you gave right yeah it was a lecture cycle called pivotal moments in science fiction films and when i was compiling it i realized that there is a huge gap where science fiction movies is just full of shit robots but it's bookended by two really good robots, one in 1927, which we'll talk about in this podcast, yeah. one in 1977. So the premise of this podcast series is that in movies, there were no good robots in films between the film Metropolis and the film Star Wars. And, and those t- there were great robots in those two films, but in yeah. the middle, there's nothing. They're all well, awful. This is going to be moot, though, isn't it? Because <laughs> we're going to have people who have their favourite robots and they're just going to be fuming. Well, what's going to be good is that my knowledge of robots in this particular period is, I mean, it's scant, to say the least. So it'll be good. I'll be, I'll hopefully be, be um, probing uh, and uh, interrogating this premise uh, along the way. As long as as long as you're happy to be probed and interrogated, I I I need probing. So just a couple of things before we before we get going on Metropolis, which will be the first one we do. I I went to the trouble of googling what is a robot. So it says robots are man-made autonomous machines designed to do a task of some kind instead of a human. Coming from the word uh, robota, the Czech word which means forced labour. Now there's also cyborgs which are different to robots. They're hybrids of biological and mechanical parts, like a person with a mechanical arm. I hope so, Commander, for your sake. The Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. Then there's androids, which are robots built specifically to resemble humans. We seem to be made to suffer. It's our lot in life. And I suppose there's also AI as well in in all of that. So when I think of robots in the sort of framework of this podcast, I, th- I feel like we're probably talking about all of those things. Yeah, there's many films with many different types of, of robots in. Yeah, particularly as 
the um, I mean, in the Star Wars film, the one of the, one of our bookending films, Star Wars, they are called droids in that, which I'm assuming is just a um, a shortening of android. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it feels like we've got to we've got to at least include androids, given that that is the blooming premise of the whole podcast. Yeah, well, Skywalker and Vader have both got mechanical hands. So they are cyborgs, then, aren't they? <laughs> so they are cyborgs. <laughs> they are yes. cyborgs. Um, great. Okay. So let's say that it's one of those. I think that you know it when you see it, isn't it? We'll be basically covering all of those things: robots, cyborgs, androids, possibly AI as well. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Episode one. This episode is going to deal with Metropolis and the robot in Metropolis. So Metropolis was a film from 1927, German expressionist. Yes. Direct directed by Fritz Lang. It was the very first full length feature science fiction film. And when you say full length, I mean it is long. It is long. It's two and a half hours long. Yeah. I mean it is so long. And it, it is it was cut down many times for oh. many different regions. America butchered it and also changed the whole political meaning of it. And they did that how did they do that? They did that by cutting it and also just changing the text on, on the, uh, the cards. <laughs> and they changed the whole meaning because it was too Love communist. It. Love them. it. Um, I was also surprised to see that filming took 17 months for this film and yeah. that it it cost, and I'm getting this this info from Wikipedia, it was it cost more than 5 million Reichmarks or the equivalent of about 21 million euros, which seems like that's quite a lot of money. It is, but that. If you look at if you look at sci-fi movies all the time, especially since they became serious after two thousand one Space Odyssey, they always are around about that cost. The Star Trek: The Commotion Picture cost twenty million, and okay. that was like incredible. But if you put that into modern terms, that's probably the cost of an MCU movie. Yeah. Okay. So it's like. So they always have cost that exactly that amount. Yeah, like, that's interesting. And he went over budget. Of course, he did. So not only is it the first sci-fi movie, full-length feature film, but it's also is is the blueprint for all the crap that can happen when you're making a movie, right? Especially a sci-fi movie. It's just you know people don't have a great deal of faith, and the people, the backers, the people who are giving you the money. So so it is it is in, in on many different levels. Uh, a blueprint so it should be watched and you should if you're a movie maker and you want to make a sci-fi film start with this one but not just watch it look at the history of it so i thought that the plot would be quite easy to summarize because it feels like it's just a sort of classic boy meets girl girl turns into robot who basically tries to kill all of humanity it's your classic film yes um, but actually the plot is it's so complicated. It is. So, can you um, give us a little summary of the, Summarize of the plot? It. Yeah. Okay, here we go. So, there are four main characters, lots of other uh, brilliant other characters in it, but there are four main characters in this film. Uh, one is uh, Joe, Joe Fredersen, who is the master behind Metropolis, the city. Then there He's is... like Elon Musk, isn't he? Uh, yes, he is like Elon Musk. And he, then there's Freda, his son. Yeah. Then there's Rotwang. <laughs> I mean, is... That never is not funny. And then there is Maria, 
who is the who will become the machine and mensch the man machine and then false maria so uh, so those those are the four main characters yeah. but there is another character in the city the city is is definitely a character in this in this film yeah definitely so uh, in the city is divided in in two halves it's the top half and the bottom half the top half is where the elite live yeah there's lots of scenes with pleasure gardens and, <laughs> and lots of healthy people there's a lot of frolicking isn't there there's a lot of frolicking in some very bizarre outfits yeah joe Fredderson, the the sort of like industrialist his son freda wears what what looks to me like the outfit of a 1920s filmmaker yes he's got jod perhers on, yeah he? he does he does I mean, he looks very dashing. He looks, I think, an awful lot like um, Johnny Depp. Yes, I'll go with that. Very handsome young gentleman. Super white Johnny Depp. <laughs> yes, an extraordinarily Aryan Johnny Depp. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of that in it, though. There's a lot of that Aryan feel. There's like there's a scene at the beginning where they're they're running on a track and there's, there's some architecture behind it that uh, foreshadows the 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 olympics that were held in berlin that's right but fritz lang himself was um very anti anti all of that wasn't he incredibly so but he was drawn in to the nazi party because he was brilliant at making films and and they wanted a lot of propaganda movies being made so he ended up making films for the no he didn't he escaped and he went to america there you go in the film uh, after he's been uh, running and he's been in the he's in the pleasure gardens, then there is an appearance by Maria with lots of uh, scruffy-looking children, and she appears at the door with all these children and she points at all of these people and says, "These are your brothers and sisters." And she has come from the sort of the the undercity, <coughs> isn't she? Yes, the underneath, where where all the workers live. Yeah, and he instantly falls in love with her, which I is mean, people are. And want it, is, to it do. is instant, isn't it? It is instant. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then she gets ushered out and he's then determined to find her, which means he has to go down into the bowels of the city. And that's where he he uh, has an epiphany and realises that the whole city relies on a massive amount of workers to keep the city going. Yeah. And there's a very iconic scene where there's marching workers marching into clock on and marching workers marching out to clock off. But they're both going at the same pace because the co- the ones leaving are tired and the ones going in know what they're facing and it's it's a it's, a, it's quite iconic. It's been used an awful lot in adverts and 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 spoofed many times. So he goes down, he finds her, and she's quite saintly. She she um speaks to all the workers after the shift, and it's very sort of religious looking. So he goes back up to tell his father that uh, what's happening is is particularly unpleasant and he doesn't like it and his father um, spurns him in a way yeah. or tries to shut him up. Yeah. So he hires this guy called the Thin Man, which is, that's all he's referred to, to keep an eye on his son. There's also, um, there's a whiff of dissent coming from the workers anyway and there's maps that have been found of of ways of getting up to upper ground and 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 hints that they might want to smash the machines and this comes to john Fredersen's attention and then this is when another character comes in which is his old friend rotwang who lives in a house that is um ancient and is overlooked and 
in the in the script and in the book, it's hinted at that this house is so old that an old uh, sorcerer used to live there. So John Fredersen goes in and meets Rot Wang, and that's when we find out that they're not just old friends but old rivals, because Rot Wang was in love with this woman called Hell, and he lost her to Fredersen, and he married her, but she died in childbirth giving birth to Freda. And Rotwang says to him, why do you always turn up when you need me? And this, that, and the other. And he tells him about this plot. And then Rotwang introduces him in to the machine and mensch, which is this robot. And this is when we've, we pulls the curtain back. And this is when we first see the robot, which is beautiful. It is beautiful, isn't it? It is beautiful. It's, it's art deco. It was apparently inspired by uh, the mask of Tutankhamun. Um, it was designed by a man whose father used to be a watchmaker. And even though obviously it's black and white, it feels like it is made of out of purest gold. Yes, it does. It has that kind of cream. Yeah. So he suggests that um, he unleashes this robot uh, as a, as a way of of quelling the dissent in the underworld. Rotwang lures John Fredersen down into the bowels to see what's going on. And as a consequence on this, he's, Rotwang sees Maria and he decides that Maria would make a perfect outer persona for the robot. Yes. So she is the object then of two gentlemen's attentions. Yes. At first, Rotwang wants her to become hell, which is the reason for the robot mm-hmm. to, to remake uh, his lost love. So he kidnaps her. And of course, while all of this is going on, Freda is getting more and more frustrated and, and het up. And especially since Maria gets uh, kidnapped, uh, he gets quite frenzied and becomes ill. So Rotwang takes Maria to his laboratory, straps her up into this machine. Actually, the, the scene in Frankenstein where he brings the creature back to life is yeah. massively influenced by the scene where Rotwang takes the persona of Maria and places it into the body of the robot. Yeah. Which brings up one of the questions that you were suggesting earlier on. Is she a robot or is she a cyborg? That's right, because for the rest then of the film, yeah. the, the robot is then played by the actress who's playing Maria as well. Yes. So 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 false Maria is the name of this this sort of robot. And you can only really tell it's a robot because of the sort of slightly manic look in that that the actress sort of gives to the eyes of of the character. Yeah, she's brilliant. Every scene that she's in, and she'll she'll slightly close one eye and bend herself over to make you feel that that kind of uncanny valley. Yeah, feel to her. This is a really clever way of getting over the problem of a lumbering robot. Yeah, I mean, it feels does does feel like that they've really thought about the fact that. That the the special effects would be would be lo- sort of ludicrous in a way yeah. that I think that films that came after this <laughs> sadly didn't think, didn't, didn't think of that. <laughs> and I think it's so lovely that you've got a you've got this beautiful robot at the beginning before Maria is sort of you know kind of like injected into it, and then you then once Maria is part of the robot, then you just see the actress who played Maria. I think it's and, and like you said, she does 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 such a great job of of acting strangely um, that it's just really it's a really excellent device. It is. I think it's really brilliant. Yeah. So Rot Wang decides to showcase um, his creation in a nightclub. <laughs> This is one of these strange things in this film. Uh, and uh, 
she's she's now got this absolutely fabulous art deco outfit on which is very revealing but she appears in this nightclub she comes out of the there is there is this kind of um vessel that's being held up by what looks like slaves around the bottom uh and then the lid opens and she rises up uh and then she fully comes out of this vessel on the back of the whore of babylon now this is quite interesting to say at the moment that there's a lot of religious symbols and um, in the in the movie yeah so you've got the horror babylon you've got a pentagram that appears behind uh the machine and mensch when it's a robot and then you've got death and all the um flanking on either side of death which is a statue are the sins and also i did wonder whether hell the name hell who is the the yeah. dead the dead wife is is a nod to hell is it hella the 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 um norse god of death possibly um, possibly so then um god haven't we finished yet no we haven't it's it's like it is a simple story but it's very difficult to, to i don't want to give anything really away in case somebody wants to watch it yeah but false Maria then after making all of these very um, elite men frothing at the mouth at her, because apparently she's incredibly desirable, uh, then she's sent down into the to the underworld. But Rotwang has another plan. He wants to bring the city down. He's going to double cross Fredersen. Uh, and then the workers decide that they would go and destroy the machines, which they do, which as a consequence, ironically begins to flood the underworld where they've just left all the children yeah but they all they all end up happily ever after yes yeah, so maria goes back down and she saves the children and the, the the one of the another interesting sort of parallel between maria and false maria is that um maria sort of hypnotizes the workers through her beautiful person personality and fine fine her saintliness words. her saintliness yeah her fine words and her saintliness and false Maria hypnotizes people and sort of makes them go absolutely crackers. Yeah. Well, they'll like there's there's men in the nightclub like punching each other and fighting each other over her, and then she she gets the workers to sort of like smash all these machines in this sort of frothing rabid mob. Um, <laughs> even though even though ultimately it means that the city is going to be flooded and that they're all going to die. So I think it's an it's I think it's a nice contrast between the two that they're, they're both sort of hypnotic characters um but one is one is a saint and one is a devil and uh, as a consequence it becomes quite ironic that the workers need the machines to keep them alive as well as the rich people need the machines so they can have a life of luxury yeah at the end as well there is the most extraordinary um <laughs> sort of fight scene between uh Freda and Rotwang Oh God, yes. Marie, which goes on and on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> yeah, it's so and on and on. so long. Okay, right. So, I mean, I suppose in a way, there's like almost like two robots to talk about in this film, aren't there? There's the Machina Mensch, uh, which is this sort of the beautiful, designed, golden metal robot, and then there's False Maria. Is it just coincidence that the Machina Mensch? And and it, like I said, anyone who's seen the film or, or or has seen a poster for the film or has seen the, the the clips from the film with the sort of the robot in you, it's such an iconic looking robot. Is it coincidence that it looks a lot like C three PO or that C three PO looks a lot like it? 
No, the reason why it looks like C-3PO is because uh, the guy who designed C-3PO, Ralph Macquarie, Macquarie, he, Macquarie, he was given two prompts as ideas for the droids. Uh -huh. One was uh, the Machina Mensch from Metropolis, and the other was either Huey Dewey or Louie. <laughs> From silent running. Oh, right. I thought you were going to say which from is a small Scrooge robot. McDuck. Then no, there's no. they're the gorgeous little small robots that become wonderful um, personalities. Okay, in the film, and they turn up in the Star Wars films as well. Okay, it's that fond of them. So uh, if you if you've never seen Metropolis before, imagine C three PO, and and that that'll give you some yes. idea as to what the Machina yes. Mensch looks like. Maybe that's why I think the Machina Mensch is gold as well. Maybe it's just because I'm imagining. C-3PO, whenever I see it's it. It's gold. Well, C-3PO is gold apart from one half of one leg. Yes. Well, it's red now, isn't it? Is it red? And since the new films, there's a, there's a red bit. There's a red bit to it. Tinkering. Yeah. Okay, now, may I bring up Asimov's Three Laws, three of, laws robotics? of Robots? Yes, I, can, please do. Can we do that? I think it would be a good guide. So um, Asimov, obviously, uh, Isaac Asimov, uh, is a incredibly influential science fiction author and these rules were which are the three laws of robotics sometimes known as Asimov's laws I think they were introduced by him in a short story so the first law is a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm the second law is a robot must obey the orders given it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. And then the third law is a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. So in terms of false Maria in this, uh, first law, robot may not injure or harm a human being. So, I mean, she ignores that one, doesn't she? Well, she doesn't directly. Is that the loophole? Yes. That's so the loophole. She, she just encourages them. <laughs> I mean, that there's is... A scene, there's a scene where there, there's two guys fighting over her and one, one of them shoots the other. Well, hang on. So the first law is a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Oh, so she should have so intervened. She, she should have intervened, shouldn't she? So she's, she's ignoring the first law. The second law is a robot must obey the orders given it by human beings. That's true because she does, she, she does yes. except where such orders would conflict with the first law. So No, she doesn't. So she ignores that one as well. <laughs> and then a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. And then, so she, she completely ignores that as well. But then I suppose that in a sense, I mean, this is this feels like this film is the beginning of a of, of you know this be beautiful rich lineage of films of robots going mad you know so yes. it feels like that's something that is is a constant fear of humans um certainly my mum um she, who is convinced i think that at some point uh, her television her uh dvd player her laptop will all will all rise up and and kill her and you know oh. Um, and... yeah, my sister's horrified at Alexa. She does have it, <laughs> yeah. and she's particularly stern when she tells it to to, to shut up. As she, as she should be, as she <laughs> should be. It's best to let them know where they stand. Oh. 
Um, so, so it feels like this is a robot gone mad, isn't it? This is a, this is a, this is a sort of an out of control robot. It's almost, it feels a little bit like that, um, the magician's apprentice in that, uh, Rotwang kind of sets, sets this plan, thinks he's in control and sets this, this sort of force of nature out into the world, but then can't control it. Interestingly, you're not sympathetic to the robot. No, you're not at all, are you? Oh, but don't you think that's because we're we, we are gen, genuinely it is it feels like it is a concern of ours that technology will in some way come to destroy us. Yeah, I think that's possibly it. But there are there are other films where things like a robot will get harmed and you feel yeah sim- feel sad. There's a Boston yeah. Dynamics film where they show they've got big boy and little boy and. The, the, it's a robot that looks like a dog and it's walking in a car park and someone kicks it. And I genuinely felt for that robot. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't, I suppose there's, there's, there's no point in the film where we are made to feel sympathy for, no, for the robot, are we? And so we've, there's no reason for us to feel sympathy for, for it slash her. No. But it is an incredibly nuanced robot. And yeah. considering what comes after it, not, nobody ever took any of those elements away from it. No. This is by no means the first robot. Obviously, there was a a couple of short films prior to that that had robots in it, but they were just boxy, rubbish robots. So they were they were also... So, this, so we're saying probably that, that the Machina Mensch from metropolis is the first great cinematic robot yes i am declaring that all right so let's so why is why why is it a great robot it's beautiful it's nuanced um it has it shows some form of human emotion it's all negative though but like a teenager yes like a teenager (laughs) It, it propels the plot it's not just there to make women scream and pick them up, and it, it's an incredible integral part of the plot. The yeah. robot is is a is a character. Okay, so uh, my my mind hasn't been changed. I I thought when I watched the film, I thought that it was a great robot, and I think I think I think that even more now after Chains You, despite the fact that when Metropolis was released, it it got a very mixed reception. Yes. Um, and I've got a quote here from H.G. Wells, <laughs> a writer who I adore, yeah. who described the film as, quotes, silly. Um, <laughs> the Encyclopedia of Science Fiction calls the story trite and its film and its politics ludicrously simplistic. Yes, well, I'd like to see them summarise it, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> It's not an easy task. It's, it's not, but we are saying, despite its extraordinary, extraordinarily long running time, yeah. Metropolis is a is a is a good film, and yes, the, it is. The robot is a good robot. It is a gorgeous robot. Gorgeous robot. Brilliant. Okay, right. Metropolis, Machina Mensch, False Maria, done. We shall see you next time for another episode, another thrilling instalment. Of 50 Years of Shit Robots. Until then, goodbye. Ta-ta. The tinsmith forgot to give me a heart.